0: What's up everybody thanks for tuning in to the fan of life channel fan of life show today i have a very special guest uh, daniel Kwok is one half of the dynamic duo of real estate known as the Kwok brothers these two brothers are entrepreneurs educators and real estate moguls and all before the age of 30 i had a chance to talk to daniel the younger brother today so we go over a lot of different things that have made them successful um, things such as faith, their belief in themselves, their belief in the American dream, the entrepreneurship spirit, and free enterprise. I am super impressed to find these young guns that go out there and they blaze a trail for not just for themselves, but for future generations as well. I thoroughly enjoy this conversation, and after listening to Daniel, you see why him and his brother are so successful. So without further ado, let's meet and greet Daniel Kwok of the Kwok Brothers. So, Daniel, what's up, buddy? Welcome, and thank you very much for making the time to talk to me today.
1: I love it, man. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. Well, I know a couple things about you because I actually discovered you um, through Bradley. And then oh, I, yeah. I love I that got, guy. Then I got your book, and we'll nice. talk about that in a little bit. And I know you and your, uh, your one half of the Clock Brothers, which is you, yep. Daniel, and uh, your brother, Sam. Sam is older, correct?
1: He is, yeah.
0: Okay. Both of you guys are still under 30? Mm-hmm. Okay, so both you guys are still under 30. You're entrepreneurs, real estate investors, educators, YouTubers, authors. So There's Too many uh, titles,
1: man. Too many titles.
0: What I'm basically saying, I'm going to keep you away from my parents because they're going to compare and I'm going to be thrown away. <laughs> right? But uh, I got one quick question before we dive into it. I know you guys are yeah. super basketball fans, right?
1: Yes, sir. I am.
0: Who's a better basketball player, you or Sam?
1: Oh, anything athletic is me yeah uh, so gr- growing up sam's always been kind of like a more jack of all trades uh-huh. um which he's like he's good at everything right i think he knows how to play like 18 different instruments oh he's um you know and i he, he prefers kind of the more like the lifting and the running aspects
2: mm-hmm.
1: um i'm definitely way more into sports than he is so i played basketball in, coll- in uh, high school i played a, a little bit in college and then um and then martial arts growing up and nice. did all sorts of things and yeah, man, I'm a die-hard basketball fan. He could care less about basketball, but for me, yeah, I'm. And the Bulls are doing great this year, so yeah. I, I could not be more excited.
0: Well, good for you. You hear that, Sam? It's on record. He's the better basketball yeah, that's, player. Yeah, yeah, it's true. He probably he would probably be like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, well, talk to me a little bit about that then. So you you're, you and your brother have a pretty cool dynamic and a unique yeah. story. Give me a little bit of background on um, how you guys end up in Chicago and uh, you know your evolution to finding yourself into real estate.
2: Yeah.
1: So um, the way we even got to America, you know, it's my, my dad's a preacher mm. still is today to this day. And, uh, you know, we're followers of Jesus. And, you know, when you follow Jesus, he physically takes you to different places. And, mm. uh, you know, we, we found ourselves in Chicago, Illinois, and I consider this place my hometown. You know, I mean, my, my nationalities, I'm South Korean, but, you know, I'm an American citizen. I'm as patriotic mm. as you could be. Mm. You know, I love this country. You know, everybody, it's, and it seems that we're, we're at a time now where a lot of people seem to be bashing the place. And look, you know, no, no place is ever perfect. But mm-hmm. I think a lot of times we lose. And that's part of being a great entrepreneur. Is part of being a great entrepreneur is having perspective. You know, like a lot of people are like, Daniel, how do you motivate yourself? Or Daniel, like, um, how do you find the energy to do all this? And say, look, like entrepreneurs 100 years ago would have killed at the idea of you having information at your fingertips. Oh yeah, you know, and not only that, but to, to be in a country where you know the opportunity to make money and add value to people's lives is just everywhere and anywhere. You know, I mean, we have kids nowadays who are you know 19 years old who are making hundreds of thousands of dollars off of NFTs and crypto punks, and you know, mm-hmm. I mean, so the, the opportunity is there. The information is free. Um, when has when has that ever been the case throughout history? You have never. I mean, even at the height of the Roman Empire. The finest and the, the, the largest of kings uh, didn't even have access to that. Oh, yeah. uh, and yet, is if you live in America today, you have access to it whenever, wherever. So um, anyway, but yeah, we came to Chicago. Uh, my brother and I are right now, I'm 27. He's 29. Uh, he turned 29, I think, a couple months ago. So uh, in terms of how we even got into real estate. So I had read an article uh, when I was 17 years old by Forbes. That says that out of all the top 1% of people in the world, 76% of the people who are in the top 1% uh, who are self-made, made made their money in real estate. Mm -hmm. And so that was my initial kind of like, whoa, like there is something to this real estate thing. And not to mention, you know, I've been a diehard Bulls fan now for ever since I came to Chicago. The guy who owns the Bulls, Jerry Reinsdorf, he made his money investing in real estate right. so i I've, I've heard about it throughout my life and then you know until i was 18 i didn't really that's when i started learning about it
0: so you and your brother were on the same page uh, uh in terms of that or did you have the initiative first or did he have the initiative first and kind of just drug the other brother oh dude, i didn't right.
1: have i didn't have any initiative when i was a kid man right. <laughs> I, dude, my my goal when i was uh 17 <clears throat> 18 years old is you know i just wanted to talk to girls and hang out with my friends sure, and, you know, sure. play basketball you know i I had no interest in investing or anything like that. Uh, my plan at the, actually at the time was to be a high school teacher, coach basketball, and then work at a church during the weekends. That mm. was my initial plan. And then my brother started this DJ company when I was 17 years old. And that's, that was kind of like my first introduction to entrepreneurship. And I realized like, wait a minute, like, you know, I can, I can help people and I could make money and I could create my own schedule. Like, mm. you know, why isn't everyone doing this? And then, you know, obviously there's a level of risk there. So maybe, sure. it's, it, maybe it's a good thing that I got into entrepreneurship when I was young. Because when you're young, you don't really think about a lot of risk. Um, just like how when you're a kid, you don't really have a lot of fear. And then you right. get older and then, you know, we let the big people influence us. And then right. we start having all sorts of fears. And then that's, you know, unfortunately people start acting on them, you know, at one point in their life. Um, and that's the part where it's just like, oof, you know, why can't we all just be kids again?
0: So let me ask you this, uh, for someone that, okay, so I'm 45, let's just say I started out today and I met you for the first time today, I'm at zero, I'm working my 95, whatever that may be, and I may be earning a good living, but I say I'm 45, I don't know if I can do this for another 20 plus years to get my social security, right? Like, can I unlearn that fear, can I unlearn some of that handicap that has, that life has kind of just shackled me into? What's your belief in that?
1: yeah i mean let's think about it from a logistical standpoint right like Mm. at the end of the day where where does fear come from everybody says that fear comes from the what the unknown yeah no
0: false evidence appearing real yeah that's
1: exactly right you know so i mean so so i have a fear of snakes right like i can't stand them okay but hey if i went to a a, you know uh, a zoo right and i went to the reptile section i met somebody who knew all about snakes and could educate me on snakes and tell me how harmless they actually are. And they're actually more afraid of me than I am of them. And, you know, I got to hold one and I met, I mean, a lot of that fear would go away, Mm -hmm. you know, and the uh, unfortunate is we have this weird thing where um, if we want to eliminate fear, we have to learn more about something. Mm -hmm. So if somebody is afraid of being an entrepreneur, we'll learn more about entrepreneurship the day I decided to become an entrepreneur is when I just, you know, I was like, wow, like I, I don't want um, somebody being able to dictate my schedule. And I don't, I don't want anybody to, you know, um, have my fate, my future in the hands of somebody else. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've met a lot of people growing up who, you know, they worked for a company for 30, 40 years and all of a sudden they're just gone. And I was like, wow, you really, you know, no one's coming to save me. You know, I have to kind right. of create this for myself. Uh, not to say that, you know, people who work a nine to five, there's nothing wrong with that, right? If anything, there's, 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 nothing, there's nothing wrong with, you know, wanting to put food on the table for your kids, right? There's absolutely, I will never judge uh, somebody's means for being able to do that. Um, but if you talk about fear, a lot of times, you know, it, it, it paralyzes us. But unfortunately for many people, it paralyzes their ability to learn more about it, which is the mm. thing that's going to help them eliminate it anyways, you know? So, and we, and we live in a strange world where, you know, we hear from all sorts of different perspectives. Like, if you think about tribalism, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, human beings were, we, we were meant to live in a tribe of 150 people. Yes. Right. That's, right. that's scientifically, that's actually scientifically. Yeah. Not these anthropo- big cities. No. Right, right. That's anthropologically, yeah, something like that. I'll agree with that um, word proven right Mm -hmm. that that us humans are meant to live in a tribe of 150 so eventually when you see the same 150 people your entire life you know bob's opinion and sam's opinion and john's opinion they all tend to merge right right, eventually well now our tribe is eight billion and so you know we don't know who's who anymore
2: Mm -hmm.
1: right so like i have this rule where it's like hey unless you spent 10,000 hours doing something and you're an expert at it i chances are i won't I'll smile and nod and be respectful. Sure. But if you're trying to teach me about something that you have no expertise in, then I'm probably not going to listen to you. And that's the problem with a lot of individuals who strive to be entrepreneurs is they hear all the stories. Right. right. So like out of 100 stories they hear, 95% of them statistically are negative stories right. when it comes to entrepreneurship. And because they hear 95 stories about entrepreneurship and their failures, that fear magnifies. And so in their mind, they're, they're, they're getting more wood into the fire of fear. And mm-hmm. because of it, it, it paralyzes them. Well, you know, thousands of human, years of human evolution and, and adaptiveness will tell you that it's wrong for you to think that way. You know, so if you want to learn from the best hunter, you should learn from the best hunter, not right. the people who fail. Right. So, again, I think that's just my encouragement to a lot of individuals who are starting out in entrepreneurship is, you know, number one, just be very careful who you get your advice from. And number two, you know, understand that um, the only time you should listen to 95, 90% of people is when you want their results.
2: Mm. Um,
1: And then I would say the third thing is know the difference between inspiration and information. You know, your inspiration is going to be your, your ability to develop yourself and what you want and what your mission statement is. And then your information is that thing that is going to castrate your fear, right? Into, towards, and towards an action steps towards habits and, and, you know, your key performance indicators.
0: So let's stay on the inspiration part a little bit because you said, um, so, So you know, the, the information is gonna castrate your fear. In other words, it's gonna counter all the fears, all the stuff that you think uh, that's gonna happen that most likely won't even come to realization, right? But then the inspiration, I don't think people spend enough time to really think of their life's mantra, their life's goal, their life's mission. How important is that? I mean, in your own experience, and I know you teach students and stuff too, how heavy do you lean on that?
1: Yeah, so I I tell people, look, if you want to find something that's going to get you to get up every single morning, day in and day out for Mm. 10, 15 years, do not look into yourself. Like we live in a a culture that pushes the narrative of, hey, like you gotta be self-motivated. Hey, you gotta find it within you. You gotta believe in yourself and you gotta have, you know, legacy. Uh, I was speaking with a friend of mine who uh, is very successful. You know, I mean, he's he's started and sold multiple nine figure businesses. Mm. um, Probably has an annual income of eight, nine figures every year. And he's very young. He's only 32 years old. Um, But him and I were talking about this word legacy. Hmm. Um, and how him and i are not a big fan of this word legacy because i mean if you go to an entrepreneurship seminar rick how often do we hear the word legacy all the time all the time, all the time. right mm-hmm. it's right up there with generational wealth and financial freedom sure you know uh which by the way no one really ever has financial freedom Right. Like it's kind of like saying, oh, I, you know, you are your own boss. Well, not really. At the end of the day, like we're all held accountable to somebody, to somebody, mm-hmm. you know, if you're an entrepreneur and you're the CEO and you are the top dog. Well, guess what? Um, not your spouse holds you accountable. Right. So you, you report to your spouse, you mm-hmm. report to your customers, mm-hmm. you report to your board of directors, you mm-hmm. report to your board of like we're all we all report to somebody. And even if you don't report to anybody like you are an anomaly and you're a single guy with you know no spouse, you don't have a board, um you don't have customers, right? If that's the case, well guess what? you report to God, you know so um you know i was having I was having a conversation about the word legacy, and if you think about what legacy is, it's you know a lot of people say, well, it''s, it's I want to pass things down to my kids
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know and and that's not a bad thing, but if we if you really think about you know humanity, right. Well, I'm willing to bet three or four generations down, uh your kids, kids, kids will probably not even know who you are. Like they won't even know your name. Very good point. Right. Like you could, I mean they could they could receive the financial benefits of what you've done, Mm -hmm. but your kids, 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 three, four generations down, they're gonna have no idea who you are. Right. So for me, right, like I don't know about you, but what motivates me. Is not something that is temporary like i don't get motivated by temporary things that's just me personally like i'm not motivated by cars or watches or nice houses or anything like that Mm -hmm. um but for me what i am motivated by is like what is the ripple that i'm going to leave behind on this earth Mm -hmm. right and and i say the word ripple it's not impact it's not legacy but what is the ripple right because what happens is like when you throw a stone at a pond right it starts off as a very small circle Right. but the nature of the stone hitting the water is that the water, the circle get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. So for me, if I could leave ripples on, on planet earth, um, that's inspiring to me. Mm. Right. And that inspiration is the engine that fuels the information. And that's what starts everything. Like that. I consider that to be the seed of entrepreneurship is inspiration into information.
0: How do you, that's, that's be- beautifully stated. And I, You know, you're a martial artist, I'm a martial artist, and that reminds me of, you know, philosophically, a lot of what you kind of like what Bruce Lee always talks about and stuff like that. So, you know, for you, it sounds like your motivation is literally by being on this earth for whatever amount of time that God, you know, uh, allows you, you want to change the trajectory of mankind for the better, What on whatever level you can do it at. Um, so how do you get somebody to, to get something that powerful ingrained in them when they're trying to just make ends meet? Because obviously a lot of times people go, I need to start a business. I need to do X, Y, Z because I got to pay bills or I got to make more money. And I think that's important, but I think that motivation is only short-lived because the moment a challenge hits or the moment that paycheck doesn't come or that project, you didn't win it. It basically kills all momentum. So, how do you change the perspective from somebody just trying to survive to being something grander than themselves? Because that was beautifully stated. So, oh, sure, yeah,
1: yeah. Well, two things. Number one, you know, where I find it is my relationship with Jesus. Okay, you know, because if and 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 I don't mean Jesus from a religious standpoint, but even if you're not religious, right, you can just look at the person Jesus as a leader, Mm -hmm. right. So, I I study great leaders, right, and and I I get sometimes weird looks by saying this but i genuinely believe that hitler was probably one of the greatest leaders in all of mankind yeah um and and don't get me wrong he was an evil sob Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like he killed millions of people he's he's a horrible person his intentions are awful Mm -hmm. you know and sometimes the way he did things was was awful as well and he was very manipulative but at the end of the day the guy was a phenomenal leader i mean his ability to 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 gather people and, and and you know bring people along and cast a vision of what you know like he was phenomenal at that. But when I, so when I look at Jesus, everything he did was all about eternal. Like nothing was ever about, hey, this is good for 10 years or this is mm-hmm. good for 20 years. Everything that, that he drove home to his disciples, to everybody, it was all about things that lasted forever. Uh, which the Bible states, right? It says that as Christians, you know, we should be harder working because we're working towards an eternal prize as opposed to something that is just here on this earth um and then but to those people who say like hey i gotta feed my kids or how do i take care of myself today i you know my business partner kevin has this thing called rabbits and elephants you gotta have your rabbits which is what you eat today it's what puts food on the table but you also have to have your elephants, right mm. like that's your that's your big project right that's that's the ripple effect that you want to have uh which by the way i mean for a lot of people who like work towards just tomorrow those are the people who quit yeah. Like I've mentored and trained entrepreneurs and real estate investors enough to where, you know, the people who, who tell me like, well, Daniel, I want to make money. I want to do this, you know, or like they are the ones that typically quit. Right. But right. For the, for the people who tell me like, hey, I have a bigger end goal. Right. Like I have something outside of myself that I'm being held accountable to. Those are the people who usually stick around and eventually win. Um, and that's the beauty of entrepreneurship is that for some it will take a year, for some it will take 10, but eventually you win
0: right right I was, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine maybe on a different podcast but i said if you're lucky enough to live long enough time is the greatest equalizer for everybody yeah is that consistency over time right it's, it's seeing past like you said past just the tomorrow result so now jumping back into to real estate obviously you and your brother have had great success with it um what do you think has helped you guys leap forward so quickly in terms of your achievement and, and acquiring assets? So just to promote your book, and you can do a better job promoting than I can, but I bought this right here at the beginning, I want to say, of March. I read it. And just a quick uh, thank you to you and your brother. I did my first uh, two seller finance deals off of this book. Nice. And, uh, I'm not going to give all the secrets away. The concept I never really understood until I re-honed down and started reading it. And my conversations with sellers changed differently. Mm. So um, we'll get into that. And like I said, people need to read the book and I'll, I'll uh, promote it at the end of the video and what have you. But what do you think separates you guys from a lot of uh, real estate entrepreneurs that went out there that maybe took a longer road? Because you guys, yeah. like, light speed, man, it seems like.
1: Well, thank you, man. I appreciate it. Um, and, you know, a lot of the stuff that, that has helped me is definitely in the book. But So here's what typ- here's what people typically do. Um <laughs> What people typically do is that they'll go to a seminar, right? If you mm-hmm. want to be successful in real estate, they'll read a bunch of books, they'll go to a seminar, they'll listen to a bunch of podcasts, they might buy a couple of courses here and there, and they'll do exactly what the person tells them to do. And that's not a bad thing,
2: mm-hmm. right? That's
1: not bad at all. Um, what I did was, you know, um, I, I went through all the courses I bought, I did all the same things, but I didn't accept them as absolute truth. Mm-hmm. Um, what I did is I, I asked a lot of questions in terms of what people were really looking for. So even with like sellers and seller financing, right? Like a lot of the people teaching me seller financing, a lot of podcasts and books I read on seller financing and creative financing was all about like, Hey, like, will you grant me seller financing? Will you give me seller financing? And for me, I was like, well, that's BS because I don't want to ever do anything in which, uh, it feels like that person is doing me a favor, right? Right. Like the way I think of entrepreneurship is, well, if I if my intent is to solve a problem and you're asking people to do this for you, well, aren't you becoming the problem for them? Mm -hmm. Right. So for me, I wanted to kind of create a way where um, like, how can I get the scenario? How can I do this? But actually look for the people that need this. I'm actually solving their problem for them as opposed to, hey, do me a favor and do this for me. So at the end of the day, I believe there are three questions that are absolutely essential. I don't care if you're a real estate investor. I don't care if you're an entrepreneur. I don't care if you sell tampons for all I care, right? Sure. Like if you're an entrepreneur, you should be asking the same three questions every single day. Number one is what is your competitive advantage? As in like, who are you and what do you offer that nobody else offers? Uh, so what, number one, what is your competitive advantage? Number two, who is your ideal client? And number three, what is your irresistible offer?
2: Hmm.
1: So, like every single business that I've had the pleasure of being, at, like I've always asked myself those three questions. So, even with real estate and like seller financing, uh, I have to ask myself: I was like, "Well, what is the one thing that separates me from everybody else that wants to do seller financing?" Number two: Who is my ideal client? Like, who are the people that want actually want to do this and need to do this? And then number three is: What is my irresistible offer? Right? So. Hmm when I think back and I, when I was like 21 or 22, I asked myself, so, Hey, like what separates me from everybody else? You know, and at the time it was nothing, right? Like I had, I there was nothing that separates me from anybody else. So I had to find a way It's was like, okay, when I talk to these sellers, like how can I differentiate, how can I separate myself from, you know, these other individuals that are wanting seller financing. And the way I separated myself was exactly kind of how I portrayed in the book is, Hey, like I'm, I'm here to solve your problem right. and this is my solution as opposed to hey I like seller financing will you do this for me right, right? or like hey can I negotiate it so <clears throat> that I can negotiate for seller financing for me I never negotiated for seller financing it was I actually created a space where it it was actually stupid of them to say no to it because of how right. beneficial it was to them. so number one that's how I separated myself number two who was my ideal client so I reverse engineered uh, what, the, what the benefits of seller financing was and then found who are the people that you know, receive the most benefits and then how can I best find these people? So I think I mentioned in the book um, that I just wrote, I spent like an entire week writing down all the benefits of seller financing mm-hmm. for the seller. And then I figured out, well, who do these benefits, you know, who, do these, who, who reaps the most from these benefits? And I found that it was older landlords. And then I was like, well, who, how do I find older landlords? Well, it's certainly not through, you know, any technological, you know, savvy ways, right? It's more so like road signs and newspaper ads and kind of a lot of the old school marketing, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. even mailers. Um, So I started doing that. So that's how I found my ideal client by reverse engineering my end result. And then last but not least, what was my irresistible offer? Well, I thought about this a lot, right? And I actually didn't even include this in the book, which in hindsight, I should have. But um, my irresistible offer was thinking through, well, like, what are some of the biggest concerns for people who, who want to do seller financing, but they're hesitant, right? The one thing that I've heard every single time for sellers who want to do seller financing, but they're super hesitant is that they're worried that the uh, individual is going to completely trash the place. Yep. Right. And they're going to get their property back in two, three years, and it's just going to be a crap storm. You know, like all the windows are broken and yada, yada, yada. And they have to go back and fix everything. So my irresistible offer was, hey, I will, uh, if you want, we can add to the contract that I am subject to inspection every single two years. Hmm. Right. And we split the bill, right? Like I take care of half of it. You take care of the other half. Because this really Hmm. is for them, right? It's for the seller. Yeah. Um, But we can do, we can put an addendum where you choose the inspector, right? An inspector of your choosing. And I have to go through an inspection every two years and I pay for half. Mm. That was my irresistible offer. And then if it didn't, if it didn't meet inspection, I had 90 days to, to figure it out.
0: Right.
1: right. Right. Like I had 90 days to make sure that it's in good condition. That was my irresistible offer. And sellers loved it. They were like, wow, really? Like that that mitigates my risk like a hundredfold.
0: Well, it kind of brings us back full circle, the earlier conversation, right? You found. A vehicle to resolve their fear, right? percent so that, that was it. So you answer the question of what their fear would have yeah. been or should have been. So that's beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. That's what business is, man.
1: It's just like helping people alleviate their fears through your product or service.
0: So um I'm gonna I'm gonna block this into probably three questions because I want to value your time. So let me ask you this: being so young, what do you foresee yourself, let's say five years from now from an industry standpoint? Because obviously you guys are are really leaning into your youtube channel you guys are are getting a great following um huge huge awesome uh you know content what do you see yourself in terms of the education side are you going to expand that even more now going on what do you see on
1: that yeah uh we'll see i mean there's as much as i want to say like in five years i want to have you know two million subscribers on youtube i want to have you know a thousand students um i want my real estate company to be a billion dollars in assets under management like as much as i want to say all those things Mm -hmm. uh i think i mentioned in the book you know don't set goals set standards and expectations Mm -hmm. right and -hmm. not only that but it's just at the end of the day like i think about the things where like hey if i do that one thing everything else will kind of be solved right so at the end of the day you know like i want to be a better follower of jesus i want to be the best husband that i can be and i want to be the greatest friend that anyone could ever have you Mm -hmm. know so i think if i do that then a lot of a lot of other things will take care of themselves but if i can do those three things i'll be a very very happy man
0: so uh, sometimes it's just you got to keep things simple it's as a uh, tried and true right you keep it simple you do the things you're supposed to do day in day out and everything else kind of takes care of itself
1: yeah i like i you know when i think of like like in, a friend of mine asked asked me this question you know like what do you want to do in five years right like what do you want to, what, life to look like um i actually had two two of my friends ask me that question today like this morning mm-hmm. um And I think that made me think about who I was five years ago. And if you would have told me my life five years ago, I would have been like, no way. Because I underestimated what I could have done in five years. Yep. You know, Um, a lot of people, you know, there's a lot of people, especially in the real estate industry, who say that they've been doing something for 40 years, right? But for a lot of them, the reality is they've had one year's experience just 40 times over. I, I think that's the biggest trap that entrepreneurship a lot of times, entrepreneurs a lot of times fall into. Mm. is that they just have one or two years worth of experience just many many times over mm. um, and so for me you know like a lot of people tell me like hey man you're really young for having achieved what you've achieved well for me that's just because I've had the, the eight nine years I've been doing this I've had many years worth of experience jammed into one year for right. eight nine years as opposed to having one years of experience eight nine times over you know so I think that's just really, really important to know, especially if you're an entrepreneur. I mean, the best ones that I know at least are always continuing to learn. They're always right. wanting to have more experiences and be open-minded and you know whatnot. So um, yeah, five years from now, yeah, that's that's fun to think about.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, what, what's the what's the power, right? I mean, we, we we do OPM, we do all this stuff in real estate, and it's all about leverage and experience can be leveraged too, you know book seminars networking you leverage other people's experience success and failures and condenses your own experience into that timeline like you were talking about yeah um so economy wise where we are right now what are you i don't want to use the word fearful what what concerns you right now in terms of the overall economy
1: Yeah, my my biggest concern with the economy is that right now, uh, the real estate market, the stock market and many different markets have gotten a taste of what a high inflation, low interest rate economy looks like. Mm -hmm. You know, so I mean, just to give you an idea, you know, we've we've issued trillions of dollars to Americans in the form of stimulus, but Mm -hmm. at the same time, we've had very high inflation for all throughout this year. Uh, interest rates have been at zero the lowest it's been you know since 2008 right 2009 Mm -hmm. and and not only that but you know the fed has just been on this montage of buying everything that it could right um and because of it it's increased valuations on stocks real estate you name it even to the point where we now have a new subcategory of commodities in the form of cryptocurrency you know so i mean it's just that's that's what's most fearful for me right now is that most people will get used to this environment. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are saying that, oh, prices are gonna stabilize. I don't think so. Um, you know, I think I think that a lot of the people who are were worried about a crash uh are wise, you know, because we've never seen anything like this. Right. Uh we haven't, you know, we've seen parts of it, right? Like we've seen a high inflationary market in the 1970s. Um, but when's the last time like nobody can answer this question. When's the last time the reverse repo market has hit one trillion? Mm -hmm. The the repo market wasn't even existent up until like 2019. You know, I mean, I'm sorry, it was existent, but September of 2019 was when it really started getting scary, right? When they started doing hundreds and millions and billions of dollars. Um, I mean, when's the last time we had over $8 trillion in the Fed balance sheet? Right. When's the last time, you know, all, all while that's going on, we have a, high inflation market over 6%. You know, we have a 0% interest rate. I mean, when's the last time in the history of the United States that's ever happened? And and people are saying that prices are going to stabilize. I don't know, man. Maybe, maybe not, you know? Um, And and at the same time, our government just passed a, you know, a trillion dollar infrastructure bill. Yeah. You know, and we raised the debt ceiling yet again for the 15th time since 2001. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's just like... (laughs) how long can we keep doing this for,
2: right. you know?
1: Right. And so, you know, my, my concern is for, for me, five, 10 years from now. Right. But I'm sure that Daniel then will be smart enough to maneuver um, those decisions. Right. But that's what would just be, what be, so we, we've been having a lot of our investors money, mm-hmm. um, you know, in my fund, the ID partners capital, we've been having a lot of investors money in land in areas that are very high growth. Uh, in my opinion, I think that's the best way to hedge against what's potentially happening right now and protect investors' money. Um, again, this is not financial advice, but this is just what I would do, right? Right. I mean, right. What I would do is I'd probably cash about, out of a lot of things while valuations are still high
2: mm-hmm. and
1: put it, put it into things that I know are going to hedge turbulent economic times. So we're actually buying up land and developing it and improving the land uh, in the second fastest economic growing County in the United States. Mm. And, you know, I'm very excited. We've got great projects going on. So, um, that's what I'm doing in the midst of everything that's happening.
0: And anyone listening to this again, just like Daniel said, it's not financial advice. We're just sharing what we personally believe. Um, you know, do your own research, do your own due diligence, you know, ask the right people. Uh, For sure. it, it's scary because just like anything, right. It becomes normal. Anything can become normal. And the printing of money has just become so normal. And, 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 and it became normal so quickly that it blows my mind. You know what I mean? So I think I, I think from a Fed standpoint, from a government standpoint, we're going to see a couple more rounds of this before we actually have to answer the Piper. To quite honestly. Yeah.
1: And you know, when it comes to the housing market, right? Like a lot of people are saying, like, well, that, that the housing market's going to stabilize in price because we still have a big pool of buyers that are standing mm-hmm. in the sidelines. Well, my question is how legitimate are those buyers in terms of their strength and their, and their consumer confidence to be able to purchase a home? Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people were saying that, oh, well, the housing market is fine because we, we have a, a market that is stabilized by the mortgage-backed securities market.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, nobody answered the question in terms of how strong and how stable are those bonds within those securities, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and now we know in hindsight that all those mortgages were, were awful.
0: Right. You know, right.
1: and 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 it was it was built on Jenga blocks, right, on mm-hmm. on stilts.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um. So a lot of people are saying, well, right now the housing market's fine because we still have a big pool of millennial buyers that are still waiting in the sidelines. Well, for me, I don't, I don't, I'm not exactly sure how secure and how strong that pool is because you know what if the Fed tapers, they increase the interest rate, and all of a sudden, you know, ten uh, percent or twenty percent of your buyer pool gets eliminated because all of a sudden they can't afford the higher interest rate. know what happens when we start enforcing and actually you know driving home student loan payments
0: right right you know
1: what happens then you know i just mentioned two things and these two things have a potential to eliminate a lot of people from that buyer pool right so maybe that demand isn't as legitimate as big as we thought you know the the biggest mistake that i think people can make is make assumptions on what demand and supply really is
2: Hmm.
1: you know so Again, I don't have a crystal ball, but all I know is uh, here are the potential outcomes of what can hurt us. And here's what I'm going to do to protect myself. But most importantly, the investors who invest in my company,
0: right? Right, right. I also think paradigm shifts have a lot to do with buying power and buying pool as well, too. I mean, yeah, we have the largest buying uh, pool right now, but the reality is like, you know, that shift can happen quickly. I mean, not to go into a rabbit hole, but you're talking about, you know, the metaverse, you yeah. know, and everything else, it's like, do people really want big houses or do they just want a studio apartment? They're going to live their life on the virtual reality realm. You know what I mean? It's it's weird. it's ever going, ever evolving. And I think the key thing, the key takeaway what you said there was, you know, continue to to watch what's going on and adapt, be versatile and adapt. And Daniel's going to do what's going to be right. And you're going to maneuver the way you feel that it's going to be the best for your business and your family. And I advise everyone to do the same. I think the worst thing you can do is not do anything right it's just to be a cog in, in the wheel and just kind of clock in clock out and then just just pray for it, pray for the the better days, you have to create those better days yourself so um, so Daniel I want to leave you uh, before I, I, I uh, ask you to promote your, your business and your, your brother's functions and everything else. Uh, leave us with maybe one or two tidbits overall as an entrepreneur. Like if you have a a kid going out of college or not even going to college or someone that's a little bit older, what are some words of wisdom you can pass on in terms of going forward? You know, this is America. This is an entrepreneurial uh, built society, built country, take advantage of it. The floor is yours. What's your words of encouragement, sir?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, That's a good question. You know, uh, I mean, there's a lot I can say there. Right. And mm. when you specifically keyed in on the kid in college. And for some reason that stuck with me because I'm a dropout, Perfect. you know, and I guess I'll just share this one story. That's, that's you know, cool. It's life changing. And then I'll kind of just leave you with that. Please. But so I remember I was a junior in college and I was thinking about dropping out. Right. And, you know, I started my real estate business when I was a late freshman. And so this was around like two years in already in my business and my brother were making decent money. You know, I mean, I wouldn't say we were making the money that we're making now and we're close, but we were making enough to live on. Right. Um, and so, I mean, I remember having a conversation with my professor and my, and the professor's name was Robert Nisley, And I say his full name because he deserves total credit, you know, mm. for, for what had happened. But I remember I was a junior and I went to his office. I was asking a bunch of people who I respected in the university, like, hey, like, do you think I should drop out? Like, I'm thinking about dropping out. Like, what do you think? You know? And everybody was just like, oh, like, don't drop out. Don't drop out. You know, get your degree. At least get the safety net. You know, get, get the option. And I realized I was talking to people who just knew absolutely nothing about entrepreneurship. Right. Which, by the way, today blows my mind. Because it's just like, dude, how are you going to give advice on something that you have no idea about? Right? Mm-hmm. That's, like, that's like asking an NFL player hey, should I play in the NFL or should I play in the NBA, <laughs> right? Like, what, what is that person going to say, right? right? Like, do what, do, do what I did. He has no idea what the NBA is like, right? Like, I mean, so anyways, so um, this professor, Robert Nisley, he goes, well, you're a big basketball fan, right? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. He goes, well, okay, well, like, does every high school prospect that goes into university, do they always stay all four years? And I'm like, no. So he's like, yeah, I mean, look at a guy like, you know, uh, and at the time, the, the, the big high school prospect that was, like, in college at the time, so this was, like, 2015 or 14 or something like that, uh, was, like, Andrew Wiggins, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he was, like, Andrew Wiggins was a really popular name and, and whatnot. And um, so he was, like, well, look at a guy like, you know, Andrew Wiggins, right? Like, did he stay all four years at Kansas? No, right? Like, some, some people are what's known as one and done. Right. So when they feel like they're ready for the NBA, the professional level, they declare for the draft. So he kind of asked me the question. He's like, do you feel like you're ready for the NBA business? Hmm. Right. Like, do you feel like you're ready at that professional level? And I'm like, yeah, I felt ready a year ago. <laughs> and he goes like, what are you still doing here? Then? Like, get out there. Um, like, you, you can always come back and get your degree. But like, don't let other people talk you out of something that they themselves never did. And he was actually nice enough to go like, by the way, if it doesn't work out, like, come back and I'll change your grade. Like, I know you're a smart kid. Like, I know, you know. And in, in the context of it, it was like, I've never done any of the homework because I was right. actually more so, fun. and I missed class like a third of the time because I was focused on my business, right? Like, I had a meeting with an investor. I had, you know, like I was grinding. I was focusing on on what I wanted to build. And so he was nice enough to tell me, like, hey, I'll change your grade if you if you ever want to come back, you know, wow. and I'll give you a fresh start. So that story, like kind of made me be like huh like it made me rethink a lot of things because growing up i've always been told like get a degree right get good grades sure. get a job sure all that stuff and he just kind of really helped me put that in perspective so i should probably go back and visit him you know that was like that was about seven years ago since uh since that story occurred
0: that's a cool story man say his name one more time he deserves uh, uh yeah man so it's
1: professor Robert Nisley, and he teaches at Olivet Nazarene University.
0: Great job, Professor. And I think he yeah. did what we talked about earlier. He dropped his pebble and there was a ripple effect that changed the trajectory of your life and maybe more because of that. So that's a beautiful story to yeah. uh, to end on. Um, so t- talk to me a little bit about uh, what you guys do. How do people find you? I want to promote uh, your YouTube, your social media and everything else. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure, for.
2: man.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, people can obviously reach out to us at info at theclockbrothers.com. If you want the book, you can go to zero to 75units.com. The book is completely free, right? The only thing I ask is, hey, pay for shipping, right? Um, You know, I I wrote the book and I'm giving it to you for free. At least you can pay for shipping, right? That type of thing. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But yeah, our YouTube channel is just the Clock Brothers. Same thing with our Instagram. Uh, And we we help people in two different ways. Um, I don't need anything from anyone, but, you know, I, I like to you know, help people, right? So Mm. we we help two different types of people. So one is the uh, active investor. So the individual who wants to do this themselves and learn. Um, So aside from the free book, we have a free meetup as well. So uh, if you're interested in the meetup, uh, email us at info at We also have a free owner financing course. So it's three hours, literally of just free content. I teach you what owner financing is, how to negotiate for it, how to find people that want to do seller financing, how to structure it, kind of all the ins and outs and that that's literally free owner financing course.com. Uh, and then for individuals who want to be passive investors, as in, you know, they have money and they just want to throw it at a company and then just watch it grow and collect cash flow, Um, that's my company, Miati partners capital. So if you want to just go to Miati partners, capital.com or just email, you know, info at the clock brothers and just put the subject line accredited investor, mm. um, yeah, they can do that and, and by the way we're a five six c so uh we're only allowed to work with a credit investor so there you go my, my compliance officer is now happy with me that i said that so, <laughs> good there you go samson i said it for you
0: there you go guys there you go i will link all that in the description and before i let you go let me give my own again uh tidbit guys anyone that's listening just remember guys. Life is a beautiful thing. It's also a very short thing. Regardless of how many years you live on earth, go live your best life. And for you know people like Daniel, Sam, and myself, the vehicle or the main vehicle is real estate. It doesn't have to be that, but find out what it is for yourself and find the people that can help you get there. And more importantly, give value back. I thoroughly enjoyed this book. Thank you so much for Thank your time. Thank you, man. I
1: appreciate it
0: i am uh uh, blessed to be able to do this with people like you daniel so um sir have yourself a great day and it's been an honor likewise man take care buddy